What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, of course, is Mr. Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Jesse, we've got something new that hasn't happened on a podcast before. The owner, CEO of this network, Mr. Matt Kelly, has some words for you. Uh, they may not be words of encouragement. Now, I did sample this audio file beforehand, and it is not for the squeamish. Are you ready to listen to this? Sure. Yeah. Let's let's hear what uh, what let's hear what Bossman has to say. All right. Here we go. Let's play it. Hey Jesse, sorry about the bad news about Julio. Not a lot you can do at this point, dude. I know uh, you're feeling like you might be underwater and you can't breathe. I know that feeling. It, it, it's uh, you just got to hold on, though. You never know. Uh, magically, he could decide that he actually wants it and start stretching. So just hope that maybe somehow things turn around and he can pass Henry Ellard. But in the meantime. I'm a little confused. Um, did we ever think Julio was a flip in cards? Did we ever? Did, did Nate? Did you ever think Julio was a flip in cards? I mean, not when we're talking about a guy that's approaching age 33. He's clearly past the age apex. History has clearly been written. At this point, Julio Jones is just extra credit points. I can't agree more because when if all right so truth be told if if Matt is discussing my take in the uh 2021 uh draft kit about my take on Julio uh then he's absolutely right um I my my take was you know he's he's going to ball out this year um He's going to cement himself firmly after his time in Tennessee, whether it be this year or many, you know, not many, but more years to come. He'd be he'd cement himself as the third best wide receiver in NFL history. It's not looking great right now. Um, Do. All right. So, like, truth be told, I collect players and notice how I said collect and not looking to flip Matt. Um, I collect players who I'm, I'm a genuine fan of uh, for their legacy that they've left on in the NFL. Um, but I also collect players that I wish made some better decisions uh, in their career or in their personal lives or, or maybe decisions, beliefs, whatever. Do I wish that Julio took a yoga class and regularly did yoga and maybe stretched his hamstrings once or twice before a game or before practice? Of course. Of course I do. Um, do I wish that DeAndre Hopkins d- doesn't believe that the earth is flat? Of course I do. Um, I'm, yeah, I he know. He thinks I'm, the I'm, earth I'm, is I'm flat? My... Look it up. DeAndre Hopkins is a flat earther. Yeah, Man. I swear to God. But that's yeah. not even – he's so good at football, I don't even care if that's what he thinks. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, which is exactly why I don't even care about a couple of hamstring strains late in Julio Jones' career. Just, just like I don't care – 
how his production, it's not like his production right now in Tennessee is going to impact his numbers at the end of this career, even that much. Like it's like exactly like you said, if at, at this point, everything we're working with right now is a bonus in terms of Julio Jones's career. This guy is not, not, I'm not even going to talk about his ranking on the, um, on the pro football references, NFL hall of fame wide receiver monitor, because he's pretty damn high up there with some, with, and he's above plenty of names that are in the Hall of Fame right now. This guy is a two, he, he's earned two first-team All-Pro appearances. That's even one more than Larry Fitzgerald, who people, who, who people are already calling the number three or number four wide receiver of all time, which I, I honestly, I can't even debate that that much, just because, of, just because of his greatness over how long he's been in the NFL. Yeah, 84 years. Um, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah fucking 84 years um what's crazy is only 10 other wide receivers in nfl history have made two first team have made first team all pro two times everybody else has either made it one one or one or no times um julio has seven pro bowl appearances which is one more than the average wide receiver who is currently in the hall of fame um and this guy is the goat in terms of nfl receiving yards by how he's played in his first 10 years in the NFL. Like, I, I swear to God, this guy, Julio, leads the NFL in history with 93.8 receiving yards per game, and it's not even close. You know who number two is on the list? I'm sure we've talked about this before in a previous episode. Number two is Calvin Johnson. Okay, Makes He sense. has 86.1. That's a s- seven-yard drop-off between 93.8 and 86.1. Um, interestingly enough, just as a side note, number three is Michael Thomas, which is pretty damn impressive. I mean, he's only really played like four years, but he's he's still up there with 85 receiving yards per game. And number four is Antonio Brown with 84.5 receiving yards per game. Julio averaged 100 plus receiving yards per game in five different seasons, which is the most in NFL history. Through Julio's first 10 seasons in the league, um, he's second in receiving yards for wide receivers first 10 seasons with 12,896. You know who's first in that category? Jerry Rice. He has the second greatest single single season receiving yard yard total in NFL history. He had 1,871 yards in 2015, which is behind only Megatron's almost 2,000-yard season in 2012. And I think third on that list is oh, Jerry Rice. And he has three 1,500-plus receiving yard seasons, which is tied for second in NFL history, and behind only Jerry Rice's four. So anything moving forward is a bonus for Julio. So um, I can't, I can't uh, stand down or back, back down when a player that I collect is getting shit on, no matter by who. Because um, there's a reason why I collect a guy like Julio. Like it's a very like I try to be as calculated as possible when I look to collect somebody. And in no way was I looking to flip uh, this year or in general. Um, and like I said, I mean, do I wish he took up yoga? Of course. Um, but I am more than happy to hold on for a long time with everything I have of Julio's. Uh, did Matt say he needs to take up yoga? 
Is that why you no. keep saying that? No, he didn't. But he said he needs to stretch his hamstrings once or twice, and he doesn't want it. He... <laughs> okay. I mean, come on. It's a little... Listen, it's a little over the top. I will say two, two things here. First, Jesse was very energetic about this. That is Jesse with energy, by the way. Second, <laughs> he's wearing a Julio Jones jersey right now, which right. is either a coincidence or you've heard this audio before. Lastly, another coincidence. You've either heard this audio before or you are the greatest Julio Jones stan who ever lived who just recounted more statistics that support Julio Jones' superstardom than anybody I've ever heard of. I, I agree. I, Julio Jones is very clearly playing in extra innings right now. This is all bonus. None of this is is going to hurt him at this point. We can also say that despite the fact that there are some injuries, and by the way, if you want a huge kick in the shorts, if you want to laugh, go to Julio Jones' page on Player Profiler and just hit the arrow down on his injury history. It scrolls out like somebody was unrolling the Torah. It goes forever, Jesse. I mean, this thing is unbelievable. So kudos to whoever got carpal tunnel typing all that in there. But what I wanted to say is, I look, I love Julio Jones. Big fan of him. I have a DK Metcalf jersey up, but I got a Julio Jones jersey in there. They're one and the same to me, but Julio very clearly paved the way. One of the greatest of all time. As a card collector, as, again, we're this is a card show, and we're expressing the fact that you're not trying to flip Julio. And most people shouldn't have been trying to flip Julio. And if they were, when he joined Tennessee, that was the wrong idea. So, listen. Matt Kelly, just trying to give us some show content. I don't want you to take this personally, Jesse. I don't want you to cost yourself your job on this network. I felt like, if you remember watching The Last Dance, uh, I, I'm now I am not comparing myself to him in any way, but this is this is how I reacted. When Michael Jordan lost to the Orlando Magic in the finals, or he'd maybe like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the Magic. It was the Charlotte Hornets and BJ Armstrong. Like, he just like carried the Hornets to one win against the Bulls in that series. And when Michael saw him screaming like five feet away from him uh, after BJ Armstrong hit the game, like what essentially was the game ceiling shot, that's how I felt. Mm. listening to that audio mm. bj armstrong come on really really of all I, names I've, listen, i'm not I, i'm not michael jordan and matt kelly is not bj armstrong but that is how i felt well fair enough jesse i'm glad that you could express this i wanted you to get this off your chest i felt like this you could tell there was something deep down inside there was a little fracture of your psyche tonight and I don't want to feel like I contributed to that, but I also feel like we washed it out of your system. I, I know I just listened to this, but I, I, I haven't slept for weeks. Okay. I know <laughs> I just, I just listened. Work. I can't eat. Yeah. the Well, neither is Julio Jones. Both of you aren't eating. So listen, let's go to the next, the next thing on the list. So tell me about, so Josh Luber, person that you've mentioned on this show before, Tell the people who that is again and explain to them the shout out that you want to give based on this white paper. Now, I previewed a little bit of it, but you said after reading it, it gave you more confidence for the direction of the industry. Is that true? Absolutely. Um, Josh Luber is the former um, founder and or co-founder, CEO of StockX, 
um, he's been away from the company probably for the last like year or so just to, um, you know, uh, pursue personal endeavors and maybe this whole fanatics thing has been a long time in the making and he saw a much better and bigger opportunity than even being the CEO of the most um, successful avenue of sneaker and card flipping. Uh, Maybe there is maybe outside of eBay for stock picks, but um, so Josh Luber is going to join fanatics as the chief. uh, I forget his title, chief creative, uh, chief creativity officer or something like that it's a, a very strange title but it really fits with him honestly just if you hear him talk and if you if you read any of his work um so he he did a thing he came out with a very lengthy uh 50 some page white paper but it's very very worth the read if you have the time to do so or even skim over um just because i i think you're going to find some interesting insights and and um opinions and just just ways that maybe somebody as big as him on the industry side thinks about cards and he's a collector as well he's a very very passionate collector and if you read this this paper you'll see that he's a very passionate writer and a very talented writer as well um so the the um the white paper you can find that on uh www.tradingcardsarecoolagain.com um, if you go onto his Instagram, I'm not sure if he has it on Twitter or any other social media. Um, he has a link to it. You can either download a PDF or or just go on, just type type in the the web type in the um, type it in the web browser. And it's a very interesting um, piece just about his whole thoughts on the industry as a whole right now. Just because we're seeing by far the biggest bull run in sports card sports cards history but it's not um it's not something that quite hasn't happened before in terms of the card industry has had bull runs in the past and many decades in the past um so he kind of breaks the the his thoughts down in like a five part um in in five parts really so uh the the intro is actually very interesting you get to learn about you know the the highs of uh, cards in the 1950s and how they were being commercialized and um, kids wanted to collect like kids left and right around the country wanted to collect them especially baseball cards um, and then all of a sudden one a decade later nobody like you can't pay somebody to take these cards even even from sets like 1952 tops in baseball which is one of the most sought after sets in in card history um, and then the same thing happened again in the 80s and 90s and it's just he just breaks breaks down uh, the history of of bull and bear markets very well just to start off the paper, and going through uh, some of the parts. I'm not going to go in depth. I'm just going to kind of summarize maybe things that I thought were interesting and um, you know what basically what he's talking about. So part one, he's just talking about how the market, um, how the card market's been from 2020 on, and maybe some things that have created some of the volatility and. Um, there was actually a really funny, like, it it was like, he was kind of half joking about, um, a scenario like this where he's, he's talking about how, um, the prices of, of a, of a truly great card, like a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer PSA 10 could go up multiples, um, in such a short period of time. Um, so I, it's, it's, it's interesting how he was able to. 
um, in, include maybe like even famous people like Mark Cuban and Mark Wahlberg as being potential buyers of that card. And it's honestly like that's why I say he's half joking, um, just because uh, those two individuals are part of an investor group along with Ken Golden. Um, and Ken Golden has a very big uh, a net and a, a very big like network with the celebrities and, and all-time great athletes in terms of becoming potential investors in either his company or just some cards in general. And he's basically like – so in that section, he's talking about the uh, Fleer Jordan PSA 10 rookie – all of a sudden jumping from like, you know, a couple, you know, hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand to all of a sudden seven hundred K. Seven hundred plus. And um, Mark in, in this in like the paper in this like very strange, like jokey made up scenario, Mark Cuban's talking to to Mark Wahlberg. I think he even calls him like Mark One and Mark Two or something. And like uh they they got back from like a Mark party or something. And they're talking about how they think that this card is going to be a million dollars one day and they don't care about overpaying for it in the short term so all of a sudden they're auctioning off at the same on the same night uh, through a golden auction and one goes for you know 740,000 or 738k and the other goes for you know within $10,000 of that price so all of a sudden these people um like potential sellers and holders of that card who have held that card for years to decades and are in on that card for like thousands of times less than a number like $700,000, all of a sudden they have no choice but to sell. They like, of course the market is going to get flooded after that. So um, it was just an interesting, interesting scenario that probably has more truth to it than we think. Um, in terms of people with far deeper pockets than we than we can imagine being willing and able to overpay for a card in the short term, even though they think it might dro- it, it might even drop after after uh, they purchase it, just because they just want to get their hands on it because they they truly believe it's going to be a million dollar card one day. Um, and in the second part, he talks about uh, the crash during Q2 um, and some correction theories, uh, some market correction theories, and he basically talks like. I think in that in that section he talks about like all of a sudden there's a freaking flood of Fleer Jordan PSA tens that are just hitting the market left and right because of course they're they're five seven ten xing in you know no time so people who are in on those cards for ten thousand dollars of course they're going to be willing to sell because you just saw your ten thousand dollar hold go to seven hundred thousand dollars so I think he even mentioned in the paper I don't know if I'm if we mentioned this on a previous show. But Ken Golden has also stated publicly that at one point in time he held, or he was responsible for, like 15% of the world's 86 Fleer Jordan PSA 10s at one time. Wow! So good luck trying to fucking get maximum gains out of out yep. of those cards. Yep. Um, so I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was a very very interesting take, and um, it's you know it, it, it's it's. It's something that makes sense in terms of like correction with even for a card like that. And then he goes on for the rest of the market. Um, and uh, part three goes into uh, it, it's it's funny, like we don't hear about it as much anymore. But earlier this year and last year, we kept we kept hearing, oh, what inning are we in? What inning are we in in cards and their popularity? Um, and he kind of takes a different spin on it. He, he looks at what inning we are in in terms of price, card prices 
people that come and go in the hobby and companies that are being created left and right. So I thought that was, that was an interesting way of him to, uh, to, to break it down. Um, part four, he uh, talks about um, maybe things of what to expect in the future and maybe what future markets are going to be looking like and um, kind of like a, like a demand supply dynamic down the road. And then part five, he uh, starts comparing trading cards and sports cards to to the sneaker market and the and the and like sneaker culture and it's you know it's a pretty it's a more interesting comparison than you would think uh besides um sneakers not being at nearly as much of a commodity in terms of like an investable asset i think cards we we see with like record prices left and right with cards um that they're a far more um, investable commodity and, and it's, it's a legitimate asset class. And I, I don't think sneakers are quite there yet and I don't know if they will be. Um, but it's just, it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting white paper. And he even goes on, um, at one point in the paper, he talks about how, um, he's writing this after, like around the time that the fanatics news is, comes out and Michael Rubin's, you know, is, basically going to get the the license for basketball and baseball whatever so he's saying how you know this is not i'm not marketing fanatics like this has the fanatics has nothing to do with this this is just my take um this is just these are my observations that i've just kind of gathered over the last you know 18 months or so um and uh yeah it's it's just it's a very it's a very interesting paper um and i I think he understands supply and demand extremely well probably better than some of the companies that do have uh licenses right now um and he understands scarcity and and collectability very well um so i i think if if he has a lot to say in, and a lot to do with the decision making in terms of production and getting really good designers for the cards, um, if not hiring from like Panini or Topps or whoever. I think we're, I think we're in better hands than we think um, in terms of fanatics. Uh, with all that other stuff we've mentioned on previous shows about the whole direct to consumer thing, that's still a wait and see. Um, I'm not. I'm just kind of. I'm a little bearish on that, but. Um, in terms of the quality of, of cards and just how they're going to handle everything all together, it made me a little bit more um, more optimistic on somebody like that who's going to um, you know have a big role in in terms of manufacturing and, and producing cards. The man wrote fifty pages, fifty it, pages in five five sections. It's it's a read. It's 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 a it's a very it's it's an in depth read, but it's very entertaining. It's like you kind of like I couldn't I couldn't put it down just because I'm I I don't know I'm a card nerd. Like I he loves writing about cards. I fucking love reading about cards, and and I love knowledge. I love I love learning things. Um, like I could just I could like I will go to a card show and I'll have I'll have like the time of my life talking to like fucking like grant hill collectors and i have no intention of ever no offense to grant i like he doesn't no listen to, to this hill show collectors. I, mr and mrs hill I, I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry for for putting your son into this um but 
I like I just I love to hear other collectors' thought processes and um, just hearing like just random facts about sets or cards or just like I, I just I, I like I love to absorb that information even though I will never collect that player myself. It's just like I I don't know. I feel like the more you know in the hobby, the better off you're going to be because um, you never know which direction it's going to take you in. So I like. I don't know. Just listening to this or, or, or reading this paper, it just it, it was it, it brought out the card nerd in me um, for sure. As if I don't bring out the card in, in card nerd in me in, on every episode. So, but um, well, for yeah. people that want to read it, Jesse mentioned it. Trading cards are cool You can check it out there, right? Yeah, yeah. You could you could check it out on tradingcardsarecoolagain.com or on his Instagram or and possibly Twitter as well. So look, uh, from the upside of fanatic fanatics to, you know, Panini failing at every turn, we've got more bad news coming from them. And we've been talking about Panini mailing it in, but it feels like now more than ever. Do you think big companies, big companies like Panini or Tops or whoever, you think they ever like put an intern in charge of something big? Like, all right, all right, little Jimmy, you're gonna we're gonna put you in charge of absolute. And just don't fuck anything up. Just make sure nothing is fucked up, okay? All right, quality control, whatever. Like, just make sure nothing is fucked up. I I guess little Jimmy fucked up. Little Jimmy the intern fucked up. Because uh I'm gonna call it the print line of death. I'm not trashing kabooms. At all, I I like kabooms. Um, I will if 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 a player that I collect has a kaboom, I will go out and buy it. But for some reason, it, with 2021 kabooms, which kabooms are found in the Panini Absolute set, they're the they're the case hit. They're um, they're you know short printed cards, whether it's base gold out of ten or green one of one, obviously. For whatever reason. Base and green one of one kabooms are, I don't know about all of them, but a majority of them are a decent, you know, enough to make, enough to annoy the shit out of collectors, have a very obvious print line on the top of the card. Um, it's one thing, interestingly enough, all right, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't mean to shit on Julio, but I'm going to shit on Julio for a little bit. Wow, this is a In the card events. sense. Yeah, in, in the card sense. All right. So I have one of probably my favorite Julio card in my whole collection is a 2019 gold kaboom um, out of 10 PSA 9. And I'll tell you why that card. It's a it's a beautiful card. It's uh, like I said, it's one of not only Julio cards, but it's one of my favorite cards in my whole collection. I'm not going to let it go. But one of the reasons why that card is never going to get a 10 and no card in that set is ever going to get a 10 or even a gem mint with BGS or any other company is because out of those 10 cards that were produced by Panini, those gold Julio Kabooms, all of them have a little chip, like a little black mark under the K in Kaboom on the front of the card. Um, that's about as big of a design flaw as I've seen in terms of like really anything that Panini has produced where 
for whatever reason, these gold kabooms, when they were made of Julio Jones, the the print the the printing plate must have been fucked up. There must have been something under the K in the printing plate, and that little blemish, whatever it is, turned uh, turned out to be on every single gold Julio kaboom. We are seeing this on base cards, base kabooms of almost every player, and we're seeing this on green one of ones. And green one of ones are. Green one of one kabooms are they're the most valuable kaboom. Um, whether or not you like gold more or not. Um, yeah, Alright, so a little bit of a conspiracy theory that I thought about is what, what if Panini intentionally decided to fuck this up because they want gem rates to be low? I've thought about that. It's possible. Um, if they want to compare themselves to like the nineties or something, because the nineties in terms of the, the cards, the inserts, the parallels, um, that are really sought after to this day, a lot of them are condition sensitive. So anything that gemmed back then, like if you, if you get like a precious metal gem, uh, that's, that actually is like a BGS nine five or a PSA 10. That's like unheard of. That's like, so I don't know if, if that's what they're trying to do. I get that's, that's kind of like devil's advocate conspiracy theory um i don't know but i'm dude they're fucking mailing it in man it's there's like if if that case if if what i just said isn't true that they're just trying to um lower the gem rates then they're they they don't care they're just trying to produce whatever the hell people want and they don't care if it if it turns out okay well, I mean, they're they're running out of time, right? They're officially up against a timeline. They know when it's over. They know Fanatics is taking over. And just like little Jimmy that they're putting to work, they want to pay people a lot less. They, they know that the cash cow, the teat of the cash cow, is going to stop squirting milk on the end of their lips here pretty soon, Jesse. So they've got to figure out how do I, how, how do I make the most bang for my buck? And... If the quality of your product dips, if you no longer care about that, then pretty much the whole business model has gone to shit because that is Panini. That is all they've got. They make cards. And if your one product, the one thing you do that you're known for, you are fucking up on the rarest of cards, then you are most definitely mailing it in, especially when this is a known issue and it's not being publicly addressed. It's another thing if, all right, so they, they already know, like, they, they pretty much have a death sentence with, in terms of, like, licensing and stuff. And they, we don't even know if they're going to be acquired by fanatics down the road. But, that, like, I don't know. In terms of when we saw uh, companies being shut down or losing licenses in the 90s, and even we can even go as far back as whenever Upper Deck lost their basketball license, I believe, in 2009. Upper Deck, like, 09 is such a widely collected year in terms of ball with the amount of creativity that Upper Deck used to produce their exquisite sets. It's like, 2009 Upper Deck is insane. I, I don't have one card from that year from Upper Deck, but um, it's, it's, one, it's like heralded as, like, one of the best years, like, Upper Deck has ever made just because of the innovation that, like, they just, like, all of their creative energy and 
they they just like they all they put it all in that set all in that set one last year they they ended their license with a bang um it wasn't like i'm not even i'm not talking base cards like they probably overproduced the shit out of them just to just to maximize like the bottom dollar but in terms of how creative they were in some of in some of their sets and especially their like patch autos it it was just it was insane they like they did so good that year um and we see like stuff with that, in the, uh, like that in the '90s with Skybox and um, Flare, like companies like that. They just in, in their last years, they just they produce such good product. And I don't even think, I don't even think the like I think people like collectors just like the cards. It's not even a fondness of the company. It's 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 a fondness of the card that collectors have. Um, and with panini i was expecting more just you know producing the shit out of everything uh all of a sudden one year we're gonna we might see two kabooms for every case and then maybe it goes to like one every two boxes or something and, and maybe it's one every box um which is a little little scary but um that's what i was i was honestly expecting more of that i wasn't expecting a quality control thing yeah i mean they're obviously worried about the outcome whether they want to say it or not i mean look what happened upper deck they produced their last year and all they do is make like marvel and hockey they're uh, panini's afraid they don't want to fight for tennis and college golf okay they want to make something other than that but they're gonna get relegated to absolute dust short of like you said a fanatics buys them out or maybe they'll wait till they go bankrupt and then buy their factories and all their stuff from them either way Fanatics clearly has the upper hand. They're coming in with all the momentum. And the best part is such a low bar now. I mean, they have such a low bar to meet, but you know, like you're saying with Josh Luber, that they're going to, you know, foot, you know, pedal to the metal. They're going to come in with some exciting stuff, I'm sure, right out of the gate and really sweep people off their feet. But nonetheless, it's bad news. Every every turn, every time we talk about Panini, it's like, hey, one more bad thing, one more bad thing. And there's actually one more bad thing. And I'm going to get to that in a second because we need to do an advertisement. We need to do some business here, Jesse. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, Underdog. Uh, download the Underdog app today and use the promo code UNDERWORLD and get $25 bonus cash for new players who deposit. And of course, guys, go sign up at clearthecash.com. Put your name, put your email. You'll get emails from us. Occasionally, I promise you will not have to unsubscribe. Jesse, Panini more problems tell me what you've heard about people that have recently been ripping packs so before i i, I continue I, I feel a little bad i before i continue to shit on panini i will have. praise I, don't feel I will bad. praise one thing about 2021 absolute in terms of the, the the case hits um i believe this is their first year of producing the um explosive insert and i actually think it looks pretty sweet um I, I don't know if like if if there's going to be a big collector base for years to come, but I've seen some. If you haven't seen the card, definitely take a look at it. Like either Google it or just like go, type in Panini Absolute Explosive on eBay, and I'm sure you'll find plenty. Um, but it's a it's a little kaboomy uh, with a like with just like a little more flair, and I, I think kabooms are cool enough as it is, but um, the it's it. I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's like a kaboom with a little more firepower um, and a little more art um, on the card. So I think that, I think honestly that's like a pretty cool insert and that's a really nice case hit. That's it's not even like 
I, I don't think I'd buy it now just because the product is so hot, just because it came out within the last couple of weeks. Um, but I'd be looking at those cards down the road, just like, you know, as soon as like kaboom prices start to drop, that's probably when I'm going to start looking at um, explosives. So, so, um, so getting into uh, Panini, a uh, little bit more into Panini and quality control, a very good buddy of mine um, who I, I've been talking cards with for the last like two years or so. Um, he purchased a box of 2020 optic basketball um, and he ripped it open, got some, got some pretty nice rookies in, in the box. Um, I don't, I, I'm guessing it was just like retail because he bought it right off of Panini's website. I don't know if, I don't think Panini, uh, releases hobby boxes on their website. That's like, you know, it's like a, that's like a, uh, like a card shop thing. Um, and he showed me these pictures. I'm like, dude, these cards are actually like pretty sick. And, you know, some of them look pretty good. And whenever grading opens back up, if you want to like, if you know, we, cause I, I grade with him. And uh, I'm like, yeah, if we if we get enough cards together, which I'm I'm sure we won't have a problem doing that when bulk rating opens back up, let's just submit them together and and call it a day. And he's like, well, uh, two of the cards that I pulled, uh, James Wiseman and Patrick Williams, um, I gotta I gotta uh, take them to Panini Replacements or Factory Damage, uh, whatever it's called, um, because they both came within with indents. And my first reaction was like what the what what excuse me like come again they you can you can do that on panini's website so um you actually are able to i think you need a a panini account um but you it's it's whatever the the same section of the site is where you can um go to like redeem your redemption cards and look at um you know like like in that same section you, you can look at quality control issues and you can submit cards as factory damage, so damage right out of the pack. Like I don't think a I don't think a print line will do it, um, or even like a centering. Just like if the card is like this, the card centering is a shit to the point where like you have two players on the same card. Um, I don't know if it'll. I don't know if a card like that qualifies for for uh, you know being redeemed, but you're able to. Um, at least request and ship them cards and mark them as factory damaged and get something of equal value, if not the same card back. That's uh, a very, it's a very interesting uh, avenue to go to. Don't know how long it'll take, but it's it's a route that you can go to. And um, it, uh, all right. So a couple caveats. It has to be a new product. So the product can't be more than a year old from the release date. Um, and I think it's it's more for like indents or indents, and um, if uh, if I don't know something is like something seriously went wrong from the time that the card was produced to it being in the pack. So I don't know, like if a machine if a machine mangled it up or something in the panini factories, I have no idea. But um, it's it's definitely an option to look at if you're if you pull a card directly out of a pack and see that it's just it's it's fucked up or there's something wrong with a card so it's it's an it's an avenue to go to go through who knew that was an avenue that's like have you ever been to in and out you guys have in and out there you don't have in and out i don't have in and out i should have uh, dudes people left and right are telling me i should have gone in vegas i didn't yes, fucking go sorry i've i've been once in in la one time it's okay 
I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm seeing this morning, guys. Okay. Wow. What an insult to the West Coast. Don't come back. Okay. You don't say that. Here's the thing, too. So they have a secret menu. You can order stuff animal style. Okay. And that's what this feels like. Nobody knew it was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know you could open a pack and if you had an issue, you could send it back. But with that being said, Jesse, I have to ask the question knowing. Panini not only is mailing stuff in, but they're literally not mailing stuff back. How long are you gonna have to wait to get this returned to you? Dude, I've heard I've heard horror stories. I don't know. Um, I have to dig more into the story. I'm honestly not sure if it's tops or or I don't think it's upper deck. I think it's either tops or panini, but I wanna say panini. Um yeah, it's gotta be panini say because panini. this guy has been waiting. <laughs> For seven years for a redemption. The reason why he's still waiting. Okay, all right, whatever. You're fucking, you're uh, Prism, Silver, whoever uh, had an indent. So you sent it to, you sent it back to Panini, marked it as factory damage and whatever. You, you wait a couple months to a year and you just forget about the thing. No, this is, this, this card is, this is a big boy card. This is, this is like the grail of grails for, player collecting especially in basketball this was uh i it wasn't a rookie it was a russell westbrook logo man patch auto yes yeah, a one on one that's a bi- that's a big deal for the people that's, that don't that's know a, that's, that's a, a big, big deal that's a big boy card i love nfl shields but lo- like i'm sorry nfl shields don't yeah. carry anything to nba yeah, logo man totally um, in terms of, especially, especially in terms of value. So that is, he's been waiting seven years for essentially like just about like a six figure card to come back in the mail. So it's not coming back, right? That's the deal. It's not. So basically is Panini just going to hold out long enough that they go out of business? <laughs> I mean, th- I don't think it's possible for, for that car to come back because, um, the reason that it won't is, it was pulled as a game, like the logo man itself, the patch, was from a game worn jersey that was worn by Russell Westbrook. So the only the only way that they'd be able to complete this redemption and actually get it back in the buyer's hands is uh, I, I'm sh- I'm sure as shit that they're they're probably not going to get a game used jersey from here on out for the next three years from Russell Westbrook. So. If they do, it's probably going to be a handful and I, I whatever. But probably the, the quickest way that they could go that they could go by. And I have heard this is, this has happened in previous circumstances. I don't know. I'm not going to name great. I'm not going to name uh, card companies who have done this. But I have I have heard this happen, where card companies purchase game used jerseys that are authenticated by like Steiner or other like Jersey authenticate authenticators that it was, this Jersey was a hundred percent used in an NFL game. Like you could see the, the grass stains, whatever, and, and the sweat stains on basketball Jersey. Um, companies have in the past purchased uh, jerseys like that from another, from like a third party and then cut those jerseys up and put them into you know, put those patches onto cards. So that's probably the quickest way that Panini could fulfill this redemption. 
uh, but I, I don't know. Some probably some intern named Jimmy lost it like six years ago. Quickest way. It's been seven years. You know how that's how long my wife had to wait for me to ask her to marry her. We dated for seven years, Jesse. You know what that does to someone inside? If my girlfriend is listening to this, because we are right around that mark. Oh, good uh, for you. Gotta, I hope. Oh, thank you. I I I hope she's not. But um, hold uh, in there. Yeah. Hold, just hold strong, Chrissy, Je- Jennifer, Becky. I'm not. Am I close? Yeah, a little bit. A little okay. bit. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So, so um, look. Okay, so Panini's mailing it in. We know that. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that people could wait this long to get something back. But my whole theory at this point in time, like the more and more that we see that Panini is just like outwardly not trying, like if you're pulling an XRP card at this point, are you actually trying to like redeem that? Or are you just trying to sell it at value now? I mean, really like what's the, what is the realistic choice you think based on the expiration of the company and what we're seeing with these delays already, I mean, people are literally waiting and waiting and waiting. I see it all the time in Facebook groups. People are waiting forever with these XRPs to get their rookie quarterback three or whomever it is. You're talking about the redemption cards, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as, like, yeah. whatever, select comes out and you get the number, like, the RB3 yes. for the next year draft or something. Um, interesting. In, interestingly enough, there's going to be more. In, there is a legal case about this, actually. Or it happened to mention something like this. Um, Nate, I might have mentioned it to you off air uh, a couple weeks back. There, um, There's a legal case of, uh, with Panini and Redemption. Surprise, surprise. Um, and Panini, in in one of their legal documents, in, in, in a rebuttal, they, uh, they quoted, at, they said something like, redemptions are not binding contracts. Oh, my God. Which is fucking scary. Oh my god! When you for bought somebody the, of their power, when you bought the fucking pack that felt like a binding contract. I mean, one would think like just your your name is as a card company. Your name is like everything, um, and if you put out a statement like that, that uh, that's gonna rub collectors the wrong way. People are not gonna think the same way about you if you're basically saying you technically on a technicality you don't have an obligation to fulfill a redemption um that's fucked up i'm sorry um i don't know i i I, like i i don't think that was like the basis of the case but that just happened to that was like a, a side note or a side point and that raised a lot of fucking eyebrows especially lawyers who are also collectors and active individuals in the hobby um so yeah, it's. I mean, in terms of uh, the resale value or or whether or not you should seek out redemptions, if if fucking made me more hesitant to go out on on eBay or wherever and buy a redemption. Um, I mean, we're not even talking about. The, I mean, in addition to the rate of return, like if you're going to get it back within the next twelve to eighteen months, I'm just talking about them getting it back to you altogether, like. I don't know. If you pull one, if you pull a good one, I'd much rather sell it than have the card, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at. That That's where my head is at this point because who knows? There's no guarantee on when this shows up, if it shows up, if it shows up without an issue. Who knows about that? I mean, there's just so many variables. And with this timeline, the way things are, 
Um, I'm not, I'm not really willing to wait on Panini to do anything at this point. I don't want to be at the mercy of them. I still love their product and what they've made over the years. feels like there's been an obvious, um, loosening of the reins at this point, but nonetheless, it feels like every week we got more bad news about them. So for the audience, listeners, look, more bad news. If you forgot, this show is bi-weekly now, so you won't hear us next week. You will hear us the week after. If you want more card content, please check out patreon.com forward slash I'm outraged. Jesse, uh, he's doing this show via an iPad. Uh, Apologies gonna, for, yeah. for the atrocious audio. We're going to start a GoFundMe for Jesse. I need to get this guy a laptop. So any independently wealthy listeners that... I you know, think Jesse's cute and want to send him a gift on Amazon. Go ahead and set him up a wish list over there. So anyways, guys, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Clear the Cash.